welcome to an uh-oh edition of On Iowa Politics for Friday, February 7th, 2020. Hi, I'm James Lynch from the Cedar Rapids Gazette, and with me today are Brett Hayworth of the Sioux City Journal. Good morning, Brett. Good morning. Graham Ambrose of the Quad City Times. Good morning, Graham. Good morning. Aaron Murphy, Lee Newspaper Statehouse Bureau Chief. Good morning, Aaron. Good morning, James. And Gazette columnist Todd Dorman. Good morning, Todd. Good morning. You can find us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, and subscribe to On Iowa Politics on iTunes and Stitcher. First up, retabulating. Sort of like Google Maps Siri, when you make a wrong turn, the Iowa Democratic Party is recalculating, recalculating, recalculating. Uh, late last night, they said the recalculating was finished, but multiple reports suggest that not all the results are accurate, and people from Tom Perez at the DNC down to local precinct officials say they need to recount or re-canvas the vote. Uh, unfortunately for our Democrats and state, the new route may be straight into the dumpster. The good news is that if your former South Bend Mayor Pete Buttigieg or Vermont Senator Bernie Sanders, Monday night caucuses went pretty well. Both have declared victory, and why not? No one can prove otherwise. The bad news is, well, the much-wanted new caucus rules proved to be confusing, and the reporting technology didn't work. Todd, how bad was it? Oh, I don't know. You know, it, was, it wasn't very good. <laughs> no, it was, it was very, very bad. Uh, you know, it, it, you, you've, got, you've got campaigns and staff and, and Iowans who sort of spent the better part of two years, you know, going to campaign events and, and uh, doing all the things you do to campaign for president. It's, you know, it's a full-time, overtime job, both being a candidate and, and sometimes being a, a caucus goer and lots of money, lots of time. And then really it's all aimed at figuring out who wins. And then in the end, we, we couldn't figure out who won. And that's, it, it doesn't, it doesn't get much worse than that. That's true. We want to score when it's over and uh, we, we had to wait uh, <laughs> how many days to get a score. And then and now we're not sure that it's the right score. But um, observations from the caucuses, caucus night and um, I guess the the long wait to get the results. Uh, what are your observations? Yeah, I, I guess I'd like to make a distinction. Then uh, I don't know if it's going in the direction of being Pollyanna-ish, but um, I think one thing that needs to be um, remembered is. At least for the ones at Woodbury County and the ones that we reported on, we had several reporters throughout the county that night. Um, the caucuses themselves proceeded well, you know, and in, in the, for the point of what a caucus is supposed to be about, of you know, stating the preferences and having the speeches, hearing about each, the, you know, the merits of each candidate, why you should support them, and then breaking up into groups and. There was uh, obviously you mentioned the new rules. There was a, a limit that you could only go uh, have a second uh, grouping, um, and um, that that was it. It couldn't go. You know, it wasn't further stages beyond that. And I saw that happen, and I saw it be explained to you know first-time caucus goers and long-time caucus goers that you know the slight different rules and and there was. You know, it was talked out, and, and the one I was at, it, and I actually saw two in Sioux City, and, and people, you know, did what they were supposed to do, and it, 
was done with less than an hour um, at, at the ones I was at. And so the, the distinction that should be made is, uh, and this is uh, talking to the, some county party officials from Woodbury County and Plymouth County, is not to be overlooked, at least in, in their opinion, was the fact that the caucuses at the local level preceded what the, the big snafu is obviously the reporting of it. So um, our, our headline was, um, you know, that the Woodbury County caucuses go smoothly, and by the next, by Tuesday morning, when when word was out about, you know, the lateness of the how the results weren't done and you know weren't completed, was you know how could that possibly be? I got an emailer who was just turtling over, you know, how the register or I'm sorry, register well, the journal's bias, our journal journal's bias. Well, you know, how can you say it got, went smoothly? But you know, that is a distinction that that. You know how people actually gathered and talked this out was well. You know went well from from you know all indications up here, and, and then obviously then just major blowback and just a huge huge black eye with with the reporting aspect of it. And and one more thing I guess was uh, and Aaron and I talked about this earlier. Um, it could have been a really good. Um, Reporting done, you know, some a major scoop. You know, if you called around and asked all these county chairs on Sunday or Monday morning, hey, do you feel good about this app? You know, have you tested it? And you know, where does it stand? Because, because then we're all doing reporting on Tuesday, talking to all these county chairs. You know, Aaron and I, and lots of people throughout the state, and they're they're sharing. Oh, you know, we had grave reservations about this app, and you know, we I tried it for two weeks. One guy told me, Plymouth County guy told me, uh, Plymouth County. Democratic leader told me he tried it for two weeks, hadn't worked, and in Woodbright County they they warned people to not expect it to actually work. And you know we knew, at least I was unaware. But I don't believe it was widely known at all that that was that, you know that was going that that was coming down the pike. That's, that's an interesting point, and, and also I mean I think the distinction you draw is is worth noting that most of the people I've talked to said their caucus went smoothly in terms of. Like you said, the function of the caucus uh, demonstrating a preference for candidates. Uh, it, it was in the reporting where things went south. And Graham, uh, you were in Des Moines on caucus night and then went to a couple caucuses and, and then a couple of victory speeches. Um, I, I'm curious uh, how you know those caucuses went, and then how did can, candidates handle the lack of results uh, when they were speaking later that night? Did it seem awkward? Yeah, so it, it, as you said, in Des Moines, I attended two satellite caucuses. The first was in the late afternoon at Drake, where Bernie Sanders went big among a crowd of about 70 caucus goers. Warren came in second, and that might be unsurprising for a caucus site on a pretty politically active college campus. Uh, what was a little bit more interesting was that Joe Biden had exactly one supporter in first alignment, uh, a young man who was pretty good-natured about his candidates somewhat comically lackluster performance. Uh, the other caucus was at a mosque, which was fascinating and really quite moving to observe at this moment of our history and politics. Uh, most of the caucus was conducted in Bosnian, so I could only follow along in broad strokes, but uh, I spoke in English to a number of caucus goers there who were really grateful and proud at the chance to hold a caucus in a space that has never before been able to hold one. Um, I also heard a lot of caucus goers there express real admiration and respect for the democratic process that longtime caucus goers often take for granted. The caucus itself was a bit bumpy in part due to the, you know, inherently kinetic nature of the caucuses, uh, and in part due to the first time status of the site. 
the organizers themselves were just figuring out the rules. But Joe Biden had about two-thirds of the room to Bernie Sanders, one-third, uh, and their supporters clashed respectfully but emphatically. Then after the caucuses, I drove to Drake, where I joined the Biden watch party. Uh, the mood was a mix of anxious and dejected. A lot of caucus goers there were saying Biden wasn't even viable in their precincts, which, of course, is pretty surprising. Um, you could sense that Biden hadn't done too well. His sh- you know, short and kind of early speech in the night really did not quell concerns very much. Um, Biden was a beat, for sure, but I certainly didn't come away feeling that he had given the impression of victory. And then after the Biden speech, I sprinted across Drake's campus to the Buttigieg watch party, where he was also holding it uh, at Drake. And the tone there was much more positive. Uh, That party had kind of the distinct feeling of a Buttigieg rally. There were lots of people, loud music, you know, good vibes. Uh, Buttigieg was, of course, the last major candidate to give a speech. And his speech itself was, yeah, quite surreal. Uh, he claimed victory, as we all know, with exactly 0% of the official results coming in. Uh, so he was speaking, he was saying, you know, we, we've won, essentially. And, you know, watching this live, I had this very strange feeling that the hundreds of people gathered around me must have access to some information I didn't, uh, because why else would their candidate be declaring victory? You know, when I saw that there was no the results even claim victory on, uh, but I was validated when even Buttigieg's supporters were likewise confused, and they were asking out loud, you know, why why is he claiming victory? What is going on here? I mean, what does this really mean uh, when there were no results to consult? So it, it was really a, a surreal ending to a surreal year of campaigning. <laughs> I, I went to a satellite caucus uh, Monday afternoon, and, and my only disappointment was uh, before it started, a guy carrying an electric guitar walked in, and I thought, hmm, okay, this is going to get interesting. And <laughs> apparently he <laughs> asked what was going on, and they told him, and he promptly turned around and left. Uh, I guess he didn't have any interest in, in caucusing, but uh, I thought that might have added a little, uh, I don't know, levity or interest to the caucus. But uh, Aaron, uh, since Monday, you've been following the caucus, the caucus carnage. Caucus. No, you caucus. said it right the first time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what's what's the next step here? I mean, the the party has announced final results. Uh, news organizations are saying they can't call it because these results aren't uh, reliable. They haven't been vetted. What what's likely to happen next? Well, the the big thing that we'll watch through the rest of Friday um, to, to put some timing on that, just depending on uh, when uh, our good listeners are, are tuning into this, uh, it's Friday morning as we record. Um, the, the campaigns have until uh, roughly midday today to decide whether they want to ask the party for a recount or a re-canvas. Um, uh, James, you and I were talking about this right before we uh, pushed record. Uh, it it kind of seems to me that it doesn't make a lot of sense for anyone to ask for that for that recount. So I, I'll I will be surprised if anyone does. For for the rest of the field outside the top two, obviously there's nothing to be gained by it by a recount. You're not going to move anywhere. Certainly not into the top two. Um, and for Pete Buttigieg and Bernie Sanders, there's not a whole lot of reason to 
either because as of right now, both can claim victory. Um, Pete Buttigieg, uh, by a ridiculously narrow margin, earned more state delegate equivalents, which is traditionally the the um, the method by which um, media organizations call the caucus winner, and so he has that victory to claim. Um, and Bernie Sanders had the most uh, caucus goers on first preference, which we have data on that for the first time ever. So he can claim that victory. Uh, they they can both walk out of here saying they won Iowa, and they can both make a, a, that clear and, and concise argument to the to their supporters and to other people who are watching. Um, so there doesn't seem to be a whole lot gained by either one asking for a recount, unless your standards is people and you're super confident that that re-canvas would give you the edge and the delegate equivalence too. Um, but I, the, given how much time that would take and the, the difference in how much that would help you anyways, I, I don't know that that effort would be worth it. Uh, but I guess we'll see if the Sanders campaign feels the same way. Um, but other than, I think that's about all we're left to do now, you know, that other than watch to see, I guess it'll be interesting to me to see how much of a bounce Iowa gives compared to in the past. I mean, that's why candidates do this. Candidates don't spend a year here uh, campaigning because of the delegates they earn, because it's not a very small, not a very big piece of the pie. Uh, they come here because the attention you get by doing well in Iowa. Um, these results took longer. It took almost a, you know three days to get out. Um, so it would be interesting to me to see if there still is an Iowa bump for Bernie Sanders and or Pete Buttigieg, or was that impact, um, you know, weakened by the way the the results rolled out? That that's the other thing, interesting thing to me that I'll be watching for. Todd, um, what's the outlook for the caucuses now? Um, will will there be caucuses in twenty twenty four? Will they be the last in the nation caucuses? Uh, perhaps maybe after the national convention. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Uh, uh, you know, I, you know, the 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 noise is going to quiet down now. The caravan is already mostly moved on, so I think this initial sort of eruption of criticism is going to fade some. And, uh, Iowa Democrats, you know, seem to give every indication that they're ready to defend the process, possibly reform it in some way, make some changes, but but you know, just basically fight back against this notion that there's something inherently wrong with the caucuses. A lot of it's going to depend on who wins in November. If if uh, Pete Buttigieg is the next president, then I suppose that he'll feel a little bit better about the caucuses and maybe some of the other candidates will. Uh, if Donald Trump is reelected, I think you're going to see potentially some major uh, changes on the Democratic side. I mean, there's going to be a lot of uh, sentiment to sort of rip up the old playbook and do something something different. And, you know, there's there are going to be a, more than a few people that are going to point to this week, uh, both the caucuses, the impeachment acquittal, some of these things, but, but, but the caucuses as part of that as being when possibly the Democratic effort to unseat him came unraveled or started to come unraveled. So there's not going to be a lot of love for Iowa under that scenario. So uh, you know, as always, it, it depends on who wins in November. That's, you know, if, if you get a caucus-friendly president, then that is good news. Uh, I think there probably will be a Republican caucus in 2024 if, if the president loses. And if and if Bernie Sanders is elected president, I expect to see Republican candidates here roughly two or three days after the 
election this fall already campaigning against Bernie Sanders. So maybe they'll wait to inauguration day. I don't know, but it'll 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 look like it'll look something like that. Well, Joe Walsh announced this morning that he's suspending his campaign, so maybe he's keep waiting for 2024 to, to <laughs> reinstate his campaign for, for the Republican nomination. Uh, other thoughts? Um, I mean, are, are, are we writing the obituary for the caucuses prematurely? Um, somebody described this as strike three for Democrats, or or was it just a foul ball? Um and the other question I have is, the turnout wasn't what people expected. Is that a bigger problem than the lack of results? Uh, are Iowa, does this suggest that Iowans are staying put with Trump and uh, some of those, um, you know, Obama-Trump voters are realigning with the GOP? Thoughts on that? I was surprised. I was surprised that the turnout was was down. Um, I had done you know some research ahead of time to figure out what I could. I never can remember these things, but but you know looking back at at caucus participation and in 2016 and, and 12 and and I, I thought up here in Sioux City and you know and statewide um, there just the, the sheer number of of um, candidates and and various constituencies for those for those candidates would would. The turnout was going to be higher. That that was my anticipation, and um, um, just seeing that it was was somewhat down compared to four years ago when you had Hillary and and uh, Bernie and I guess Martin O'Malley. That 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 was surprising to me, and I can't. I guess I can't pinpoint why. Um, but, um, uh, I, I have no great thoughts on that. Maybe someone else can chime in on that. <clears throat> Yeah, no, the turnout thing was a, was a surprise to me too, and that's definitely something um, uh, worth exploring in the coming days and then trying to get a sense of why that might have uh, been. Um, uh, it, it looks like it was similar to four years ago, um, which sounds okay, but I think the expectation was that it was going to well surpass four years ago and maybe more compete with 2008 uh, when there was record turnout um, in the year that Barack Obama won. So, so that is definitely something um, worth examining and and, um, and, and, and unpacking. Um, as far as the future of the caucuses, it's going to be really interesting. I think Todd makes a great point. It very much depends on uh, who wins um, and who wins on either side. You know, if you if you got a Republican president, we've got a competitive Democratic caucus again in four years. Um, so uh, then it matters uh, who's in DNC leadership as well, and, and what do they expect out of the the caucuses and the nominating process in four years? Um, if the Democrats are try, still trying to win the White House, then um, and then like Todd said, if it's if the Democrats win, <laughs> it's a, it's a very big difference between whether that's Bernie Sanders or someone else. Uh, Bernie Sanders has made pretty clear what he thinks um, of the the caucus system. Um, the other thing I will just add to that is when you talk to experts who are um, emotionally detached from the Iowa caucuses, what you will hear sometimes is, and I've even seen it this week, is 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 those types of people saying that maybe we we should be pumping the brakes a little bit uh, on the funeral services for the first in the nation Iowa caucuses, um, because simply because not because they, they deserve it or, or because any of the criticisms, criticisms are wrong, 
but just because it is a heavy lift to change that process. Um, it, it's a big deal. It's, it's a complicated deal. And that's part of the reason, even before all this, that Iowa has remained first just because of historical inertia. Um, it, it's kind of an entrenched thing, and, and, and changing that uh, would be a massive um, uh, undertaking by the National Party. And, and when you talk to a lot of ex- experts, even at a time like this, even after a caucus like this, they're not convinced that that would happen. And just uh, we don't want to ignore the Republicans. They had a caucus, too, um, and they uh, are pretty happy about their turnout, which was larger uh, for a uncontested or a largely uncontested caucus than uh, in 20 – when was that? 2012, when uh, Obama was running for his second term. The Republican turnout was larger this year than in that year. And, um, and by the way, Donald Trump won the, ca- the Republican caucuses. And while we were waiting for results from the caucuses, Donald Trump delivered a primetime reality show slash campaign speech in front of a joint session of Congress. He called it the State of the Union. It's not unusual for an incumbent president to use the State of the Union to launch his reelection. And there certainly was nothing subtle about this speech. Uh, from Trump declining to shake House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's hand to her ripping, literally ripping his speech. Republicans loved the speech. Democrats apparently couldn't hear it because they weren't standing and clapping. My only question, Todd, is if Rush Limbaugh gets a Medal of Freedom for the pain he's inflicted on democracy, what honor do the Iowa caucuses get? Well, I, you know, I think we'll probably get some sort of parting gift like a year's supply of almond milk or something like that. Uh, I, I think, and I think that would... I think that would symbolize the joy that we brought people, especially on the coast, that they, they probably had a lot more fun ripping us this week than they would have if they'd had results to, to chew on. I think, I think the, uh, the pile-on was probably – some, some of them seemed pretty gleeful, so I'm glad that we could, you know, brighten, brighten their week. Speaking of brightening their week, uh, <laughs> former Vice President Joe Biden didn't sugarcoat his Iowa results when he got to New Hampshire. Um, Incomplete and inaccurate as they might be, he told a New Hampshire audience, we took a gut punch in Iowa. The whole process took a gut punch. And that was pretty mild compared to some of the other epithets hurled at Iowa. Brett, um, what's your favorite uh, critique of the caucuses that you heard read this week? Right. And, of course, there was a zillion of them being thrown around on you know social media and Twitter. And, you know, they're basically inescapable and... And I guess I mine is a is an old classic. Um, I, I guess it, it, did anyone try unplugging the caucuses and plugging the caucuses back in? Um, <laughs> usually, you, I mean, usually that that works at my house. So um, about anything I try, but you know. not this time, though. I guess <laughs> Graham, <laughs> any favorite? Uh... Yes, I would. Uh... Love to call our attention to a, a viral tweet that Iowa starting line put out, uh, you know, at, at a Des Moines precinct, uh, allegedly an attendee brought in a concealed bottle of wine, dropped it, and it shattered everywhere. Uh, <laughs> and this image of, of a shattered bottle of wine on this, you know, gymnasium floor just in pieces. Uh, and I think seen as a metaphor for how the caucuses went this year, it's really <laughs> quite stunning. <laughs> Aaron, uh, 
Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna give a quick honorable mention uh, because Graham reminded me of another one. Um, uh, Kate Waters, who worked on Kamala Harris's campaign, and she's been involved in Iowa campaigns for a long time. Um, she tweeted this week that we all started this caucus as ranch lady, and we all ended it as wine bottle lady, which I thought was pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> um, but my favorite one, and I'm going to apologize ahead of time to podcast listeners, because to deliver the full effect of this, I have to sing. So I apologize for that ahead of time. Um, but for, for Billy Joel fans, keep keep this in mind. But my, my favorite reaction I heard was someone who said, you should never caucus with a nap, 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 nap. <laughs> awesome. Billy Joel on the caucuses. Todd, bring us home. Well, I, I always, when I, when I think of insulting something, I always defer to the president who said that, Democrats are who said who subtly said that Democrats are stewing in a caucus mess of their own creation with the sloppiest train wreck in history. So I don't know, I don't know what the degrees of sloppy train wrecks are, but maybe I guess it was would have been the stew that spilled. I, I don't know. There's there's a lot going on there, and I think we're they have only yet to un, unpack it. So. <laughs> Well, I, I think I'll, uh, I'll end this with uh, Bernie Sanders' comment that maybe many people would agree with. Iowa is finally behind us. Or, Iowa is finally, hopefully, behind us. <laughs> this edition of On Iowa Politics is finally, hopefully, behind us. I hope it's been worth your time. Thanks for listening. If you like the show, tell a friend and subscribe to us on iTunes or Stitcher. Send fan mail to oniowapolitics at gmail.com. And you can find us every week on the home pages of the Quad City Times, Sioux City Journal, Muscatine Journal, Mason City Globe Gazette, Waterloo, Cedar Falls Courier, and the Cedar Rapids Gazette. Adabanga will take us out. If you know a band or talented Iowa musician who should be on our show, send us a sound file and remember to follow us on Twitter and subscribe to On Isle Politics on iTunes and Stitcher. For Graham, Aaron, Brett, Todd, and our producer, Stephen, I'm James Lynch. Thanks for listening.
down With that real moon up in the sun going down Don't 